Hey, horror fans. It is Paul Etheridge, the writer-director of the queer slasher film Hellbent. So heads up, Strong Language and Violent Scenes has just posted its 100th episode. So give it a listen. It's a fucking awesome podcast. Congrats, guys. Before we get started, you should probably know that the following podcast contains strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Also, it will almost certainly contain spoilers. Welcome to Minisode 104 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast given a second chance to films that might not deserve them. As ever, I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional dude of musical things. And I'm Andy Stewart, occasional filmmaker, but most often this guy. And how are you this week? I'm okay. Uh, lockdown continues. Stir craziness is starting to take root quite heavily. Yeah, I found myself just kind of staring blankly off into space yesterday for ages. Mm-hmm. I had a morning where I did that for an hour and a quarter last week. <laughs> oh, really? Apart from the stir craziness which I think we're all basically getting now to a certain extent. How you been? What you been up to? What you been watching? Um, I've been okay, aside from all that. Um, what I've been up to, uh, gardening, sadly, mostly done. Taking a back seat now because the weather's taking a, a further turn. Last night was wild. Yeah. Uh, and I had plans. I thought, oh, if it's a wee bit nice, that's even remotely nice this weekend, I'll get out and do some stuff. But no. So I've started trying to write, but I've just been uh, kind of staring at a screen with a kind of flashing cursor on it. Mm-hmm. You see it in films when people are trying to write and they're literally just staring a cursor or one word kind of yes. that I've kind of had the equivalent or I had the equivalent at the start of this week with music and then I kind of hit a stride with it for a little while so I've been writing quite a bit this week as you probably know because I've been bombarding you with the stuff that I've been doing true yeah 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 yeah. I've heard I've heard a lot this week <laughs> he says with a tone of withering patience um, <laughs> you fitted in any viewing at all actually off the back of recently watching Aeon Flux I went back and I watched Jennifer's Body just because I hadn't watched it in a while and I thought I remember saying on the podcast that I liked it and I wanted just to confirm that I liked it see this is an interesting one for me I watched it years ago roughly around the time it came out and didn't like it mm-hmm. and I have spent the time since thinking that I would like it more if I rewatched it and I've just never gotten around to it so obviously this is you on a Karen Kusama kick after Day on Fox yeah I was kind of similar to you when I first watched it I didn't like it it was everything that as you know I don't really like but it's stuff that's usually catnip to you uh, it's the kind of smart allocate thing and it's smart allocate in a way that I tend to really go for. Yeah, but going back and re-watching it, one, I forgot that Chris Pratt's in it. Oh no, I'd forgotten that, for sure. <laughs> I really enjoyed it this time. I don't know I don't know if you've rubbed off on me or if it's something else, but I had grown to kind of like it anyway, but I had a absolute blast with it last night. I, I, I thought it was great. And the, the CGI effects in it, which at first was one of the things that I kind of banged my drum about really irritating me, didn't really matter this time. They didn't really drive me to fury as they have done previously. Well, that's, that's always good. That's a review to put on the poster. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's excellent. Aside from that, I jumped on to Shudder and watched Blood Machine. Blood Machines. Now remind me, was Blood Machines a series or a film for a start? Right, so it's a series directed by Seth Ackerman. And if you could see me right now, you would see that I'm doing inverted finger commas. A classic IFC situation here. <laughs> okay, okay. Because Seth Ackerman is actually two people. Okay. Yeah, Seth Ackerman is actually French directing duo Raphael Hernandez and Savitri Jolie Gonfard. Oh, I see. Right, okay. Um, do we know them from anything else? <laughs> I don't, but certainly this is a Seth Ackerman joint. This is the first okay. Seth 
Seth Ackerman film. And what you have here is two kind of space truckery guys pursuing mm-hmm. this other ship onto this planet. When they arrive on the planet, the ship is essentially destroyed and from the, the ship essentially has birthed this naked woman with a glowing cross on her torso. Okay. And what happens then is these two guys decide that they're going to pursue this woman across the galaxy. Right. <laughs> So it's three episodes long, right? I think the total run time's about 50 minutes. Okay. All the music's done by Carpenter Brute as well. Oh, cool, okay. And not just that, just about everywhere you look, there's a Carpenter Brute logo. So the involvement of Carpenter Brute seems pretty heavy. But story-wise, there isn't really anything going on here. Right, okay. But visually, there's so much going on. It's unbelievable visual experience. It's like the best desktop you've ever seen in your life. Okay, Fucking hell. I'm not going to lie. This sounds awful. How did you find it? Do you know, I don't think you can actually sit here and talk about Blood Machines in terms of standard narrative because it doesn't massively have one. But from a technical perspective and from a visual perspective, it's absolutely stunning. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and advocate that anyone takes drugs. (laughs) But But if that's the kind of thing that you're into, Mitch, then you could do a lot worse than powering up Shudder, turning this film up extremely loud and watching it on the biggest television that you can because it's an absolute feast for the eyes. Okay. Do you know what it reminds me of? Go on. A magic eye poster. I tend to look at those for maybe like 30 seconds or a minute rather than 50 minutes. (laughs) But okay. I think you would hate this. Like, did you come up pro or con? Stop beating around the bush here, Andy. Tell me what it is and isn't. Was it something you liked? I'm going to have to firmly straddle the line here, I'm afraid, Mitch, because, like, the characters in it, pretty pointless. The acting's terrible. The human characters are just there to put a human face on it really but I can't get away from recommending it as a visual experience okay that's definitely at the absolute most heavily qualified recommendation and at the least a damning indictment of that one then Uh, anything else Not really. No, no, no. Okay. I had a couple of things this week. One new, one old. So off the back of the conversations that we've been having recently about slasher sequels, um, specifically, I know what you did last summer and things like that. Mm-hmm. I revisited for the first time in probably about 10 years, uh, Scream 3. Oh, fuck. I'm just going to say right off the top here, I hate Scream 3. Yeah, I remember not liking it either. But after being so taken with the much maligned, I still know what you did last summer. I was like, you know what? Maybe on revisit, there'll be something there. There largely wasn't. I mean, like, it's definitely an indicator of the series fully becoming the thing that it originally set out to make fun of. Sure. It's a pretty pale Kevin Williamson impersonation that's going on here as well. So who's this then? Who's involved here if not Kevin Williamson? I can't remember. Erin uh, Kruger, who is best known since then for writing three out of five Transformers films. Um, I I really didn't like this and also it's it's incredibly just like punishingly long it's almost two hours which I'd forgotten and I didn't check before I started Mm. so yeah I didn't really care for that and uh, I think the only parts that really work for me there's a really fun set piece in it the main characters are stuck in a house and obviously this the main story of it is kind of following the fact that there's like a film within a film Sab Um, (laughs) a lot of the kind of action centres around the making of that art's imitating life or the other way around and there's a scene where all the main characters are kind of stuck in a beach house and they're getting faxed pages of the script by the killer which for one thing is the most 2000 thing ever <laughs> but uh, also it's just like a really it's a really fun thing but unfortunately it lasts about two minutes and it ends in a really stupid way so it's a very kind of fleeting respite from how dull this thing is to a large extent kind of picks oh, yeah. up a bit of momentum around the time you'd expect it to sag in the middle parker posey is the uh, mvp here Agreed. with the kind of met yep. the meta stuff that she's doing with courtney cox is really really funny i think yeah this just kind of feels poorly conceived pretty much from the off though 
if anything, I think that I actually got less out of it. Uh, <laughs> How bad's Jenny McCarthy? Oh god, she's atrocious. Yeah, yeah, she's really um, like truly awful in it. Actually, that was the main old one that I went back to, and that was motivated by two things. Partially, just like I say, the conversation that we had about slasher sequels and with the way that some of these franchises have quality diminishments and when, mm-hmm. and yeah. also the fact, of course, that we are getting a Scream Five. Yeah, yeah, that's been a that's been announced in the past week or so. I think David Arquette certainly signed on to be in it. I think it's only David Arquette that's confirmed he's going to be reprising his role, but it is from the team that brought you Ready or Not, and Ready or Not's a really fun film and i think that like it's got the kind Mm -hmm. of sensibility that i wouldn't mind seeing follow into this franchise Mm, but then you have to wonder how much rope they're going to be given to do what they want to do with it it is going to be interesting i mean obviously i thought that this franchise went some way to getting back on track with screen four as regular listeners to the show will know I think that I think there's scope for this to be really good, and I kind of just I look back on it, and obviously like Scream Five won't see the light of day for a while, but I kind of just wanted to reground myself in that conversation by just checking out some of the ones that it had been longest since I'd seen. So I did mm-hmm. that this week, for better or worse. And the other thing that I did was I also went on to Shudder this week, and something from a few years ago that just got added this past week. You may have heard me talking about it on the streaming platforms last week. Uh, Open Grave. Oh, okay, yeah, with Charlton Copley. Yes, so Charlton Copley here, who is I think actually spent most of his career being very uncharitably given accents to do that you can't really do whether it be american in like the a-team and this or a scottish in maleficent or english in old boy i can never tell if i think that that guy is a good actor or not because he's constantly harnessed with accents that you can't really hack this is no mm-hmm. exception but basically what you have in open grave is he wakes up in an open grave full of dead bodies he doesn't know how he's got there he's got no recollection of it somebody throws a kind of rope ladder down he gets out of the grave and finds his way to this big house that is full of these people who also have no recollection of uh, how they got there or who they are and it basically goes from there about them all trying to figure out what's going on and it kind of flips around your allegiances a little bit and you get kind of little flashes of backstory for each of them and stuff like that i found this actually really really laborious we've been doing this for long enough that you have a read on the kind of thing that i'll gravitate towards so when he got out sure, of the, yeah, yeah, yeah. when he got out of the grave, the mass grave, and was like, "Oh, where am I? Who am I?" and got to this house where it was like, "We are five more people." Also, where are we? Who are we? I was like, "Okay, good." Like, if this is going to be them in the house figuring it out, fine. The problem with this, I think, is as the scope of it widens, and it does widen quite significantly because basically there's kind of a zombie strand to it. Um, <laughs> right, okay. As they leave the house and get out into the world, as the scope of it widens, I feel like it just gets increasingly more scatterbrained. It gets a bit schmaltzy in a way that I don't think it really earns. I really <laughs> don't like this at all, actually. In fact, I hated it. On the subject of things that I hate... Mitch, what's you saying from the 90s? Uh, yeah, he does. So um, after the relative success of recent weeks, I think, with I Know What You Did Last Summer series being revisited and also we had Shram and, and Toad's King and all these kind of things, this thing's really ticking my boxes in a really nice way. I decided to head to 1998. Um, I made mention of the fact I was watching something from 1998 and I really didn't like it and invited the Chuds in the Chud Locker to try and uh, figure out what I was watching. <laughs> yes, of course. Ian, Ian O'Brien, he was first in identifying that I was watching Disturbing Behaviour. Uh, directed by <gasps> yeah. David Nutter, who I think has gone on to make a bunch of Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones episodes that I like, but this is, uh, ugh, like, this is actually one of the worst films that I've seen in a really long time, and this is coming from somebody who kind of like, I had a mad Katie Holmes crush around the time that this came out, and even getting a kind okay. of like friendly, nostalgic reminder of that wasn't enough. This has almost nothing going for it. It's got an incredibly smart-alecky script, like smart-alecky to a fault, just like it doesn't even closely resemble 
real human interaction there's just no way that <laughs> high school kids this age would ever talk to each other this way and it doesn't feel right. like in an in an intentional way it doesn't feel like a choice like it is in brick or something like that okay and i get the impression that it was more concerned with crowbarring in one-liners and actually making anything sound even remotely natural <laughs> um i don't know what the general consensus is about this film uh, out there but it has some of the most individually annoying characters i've seen in anything in a long time again in a way that doesn't feel like a choice and <laughs> yet uniformly unscary really really muddled no uh, I, I hated this. The worst thing that I've watched so far um, on the 90s side quest, I would say. Just about as far as you can get from a recommendation for disturbing behaviour. Yeah, we've kind of had a bad week between us here. But what I will say is, I've got to hand it to the Chuds this week. In the Chud Locker, off the back of this, I basically said, I was like, send me some recommendations. This isn't going well. And um, a few people, <laughs> if I remember rightly, Andrew Marshall in particular, stepping up with a really long list of interesting stuff. So I'm kind of hoping that with the guidance of some better informed people, that my viewing might improve in the next little while. <laughs> I hope so too, but you know what we don't want to become is a negative podcast where everything we talk about is shit. No, I'm I'm actively going to try and find stuff that I that I really like the look of uh, this week, uh, yeah. like I did with um, okay. the the Soho Horror Festival stuff from last week when I, or a couple of weeks ago when I got a chance to really enthuse about things because you know that's my bread and butter, Andy. Of course I do. The Sunshine Kid, yeah, you can't dim his light. You cannot. No, uh, certainly only temporarily. So um, I'm sure I'll be back on brighter form next week. However, moving swiftly on to the icing on this cake made of shit that is our viewing this week. <sighs> Yeah, Smoky Thriller Fridays. So after the major stumble that was uh, Dangerous Lies a couple of weeks ago on Smoky Thriller Friday, we very much resoundingly got back on form uh, last week with The Mystery of Michelle, which I thought was a fantastic piece of garbage. I think you liked it more than any of the rest of us, because in your own words, you were gripped. And I'm not sure that that was a feeling that was necessarily echoed around the room. Yeah, I think that's probably fair enough. However, I was substantially less gripped by Killer Cove. Killer Cove, yeah. You want to take a minute to talk about Killer Cove, what that's all about? Yeah, I'm more than happy to. Uh, recently divorced woman. Uh, she has been terrorised by her husband. Uh, and, and yet again, another film which where we have a male antagonist who is dead set on removing a woman from the house that she lives in. Yeah, uh -huh, weirdly recurrent theme, definitely. Yeah, so what she does here is she hires a private eye to protect her and to investigate a shadowy figure who seems to be following her around from A to B. And as it turns out, the private eye himself, he comes with his own problems and his own baggage. Yeah, as the investigation unravels in an unsatisfying way, <laughs> we learn more about the private eye. Yeah, this is, uh, this, this is I would say, uh, the dullest one of these that we've done. It doesn't seem to have any particular interest in being particularly thrilling or smoky. No, no, no. I mean, there was a couple of moments early on where we were like, oh, this could get smoky. Like, you could sense it, just little wisps of smoke, but uh, extinguished very, very quickly. Uh, yeah, this might be a sensible segue into the next section, you know, because uh, we won't be having a smoky thrower Friday next Friday because we've got something else planned. Yeah. What have they been saying? Well, they've been saying a fair amount, and uh, some of it is centered around a plan that we have hatched for this coming Friday night, the 29th. So with more yeah. information to follow through the week, um, we have opened up the voting across the social media channels for you to pick from three choices what film we're going to watch for a first Zoom watch-along this Friday evening. 
So we did post something on our YouTube channel, which now exists. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who knew? Yeah, yeah. where we whittled it down to three using a uh, Wheel of Fortune style app. Yeah, the Wheel of Names. The Wheel of Names decreed that the choices for our first Zoom watch along are Headcount, Awaken the Shadow Man, mm-hmm. and Species 2, all of which are available on Netflix UK. I just want to say, by the way, like again, the decision on which films we were going to be doing, with the exception of a couple, were determined by synopsis and cover image. And I've already had some flack for Headcount being on there, because apparently it's excellent, but that wasn't a consideration when I picked it. It was picked purely on the strength of the poster and the synopsis. Um, yeah, actually, a couple of people have said this, so I may go and just check out Headcount, because it's also definitely not going to win, because there is, without saying too much about it, a very clear winner at this point. Um, but if you want to get in on the voting, <laughs> there is um, a poll in our Facebook group, The Chud Locker, and also, I believe, another one on Twitter, is that right? Yeah, it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, one on Instagram that's just closed. In fact, it will be closed by the time that this this airs. But uh, yeah, I can tell you right now there is a clear winner on Instagram. I would say that there is also a clear winner in The Chud Locker. We will be revealing the winner and kind of more information information about it this wednesday and if indeed the film in question does win mitch what friday's going to be is a very violent very sexy time well, <laughs> well that's good um but a few people jumping in with some opinions on this um i love this uh she had to not not say on twitter saying for some reason i've already seen species 2 twice this year fingers crossed for this one <laughs> barry delgano saying oh i know what i'm voting for this should be fun and then he's come back again saying in my half asleep bleary eyed early saturday morning stupor i misheard the name of one of the films and thought that it was a week in the shadow man i uh, can't help but wonder what kind of film that would be but still i was always going to go for some henstridge action so Barry, not playing his cards at all close to his chest there and just coming out with the fact that he has gone for Species 2. Dave Shakes keeping his cards a little closer to his chest, saying, I know which film I'll be voting for in the Watch Along poll. I have a feeling I know too, but uh, <laughs> moving on. You got any more comments on this one? Not really, aside from people just being really nice and saying that they're quite looking forward to it and they're going to be there for the live watch-along. Like I say, we'll be uh, releasing something, some kind of announcement on Wednesday, uh, letting you know everything that you need to know about uh, joining in with that on Friday. But yeah, we're looking forward to uh, hanging out with a few of you and uh, watching something. Yeah, yeah. Stevie, Film Fan Stevie, has been in touch on Twitter again, uh, not necessarily referencing the episode this week with uh, Clay McLeod mm-hmm. Chapman. Big thank you to him, by the way, for joining us to talk student bodies. But talking about uh, The Boy, mm-hmm. which Lovely is... Voice. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, very nice voice. Yeah, he was talking about The Boy, though, Stevie was, saying that it's a great film, that's The Boy 2015, that's based on a novel that Clay wrote. And uh, mm-hmm. Stevie was saying that uh, it totally blown him away when he'd seen it at the London Film Festival in 2015. However, Stevie, I believe, having... One other not-so-positive viewing experience this week. Yeah, yeah. Stevie got back in touch to say that he's continuing down this uh, worrying road into the, really the, the sludge of films, Mitch. The the worst of the worst. Bottom of the barrel stuff. Yeah, it does seem that way, doesn't it? Yeah, and in the past, he's gone for a lot of films that seem to be, on the surface at least, festive. Mm-hmm. But now... Yeah, yeah. He's pulled away yeah. from that now a little bit. But yeah, definitely, like, yeah, Santa Claus and the Ice Cream Bunny and Santa Claus Conquers the Martians and all this kind of thing. So what was it this week? This time, he's gone for the film Teenage Zombies. Jesus Christ, TV. You don't make it easy for yourself. Um, another shout-out then to Film Fan Stevie. Struggling his way through lockdown, I would say, like, doing the impending business, absolutely zero favours whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I want to say a quick hello to Dave Cooper, Deluxe underscore man, pointing out that when we uh, put something up on the YouTube channel this week, the auto subtitles in what seems like a very big mood for me, uh, you were retitled and Easter, and uh, yeah, and I was christened Much Pain. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that. I mean, that kind of sounds like maybe what your name would be if you were a wrestler. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't considered that, but yeah, fair enough. want to give a quick shout out, actually, the last thing from me, but I um, want to say a quick hello very quickly to uh, Travis J. Good, who has been pretty active uh, in the Chud Locker on Facebook this week. Um, got in touch, having listened to the mini-sode this week, and heard a little bit of us talking about uh, the terrible films that Stevie has been watching, and he said, I love this, the episode <laughs> he means, so thank you for that. That I have a friend over oh, cool. here that made me watch the Mystery Science Theater 3000 version of Manos, The Hands of Fate. And ever since then, on his birthday and for Christmas, <laughs> he would get a DVD of the actual Manos, Hands of Fate movie. He now owns 22 copies and the book and the DVD Manos, Hands of Felt, made with puppets. <laughs> That's fucking amazing. Like... <laughs> what the fact he's got 22 copies of the film. I'd be interested to see how far this can go. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd like some photographic evidence of that if that could be arranged. I want to see 22 copies of Manos Hands of Fate in the same location. I've got a couple more things that I just want to touch on. I want to say a big welcome back to Kim Morrison at Wicked Sister 69, who's been a bit quiet lately. Mm-hmm. She's got back in touch to say, catching up in episodes of Strong Violent PC because lack of work slash driving means I've fallen way behind. Actually, I've noticed a little dip in the numbers and apparently, having asked a couple of people, it seems that we figure most heavily in people's commute. It does seem that way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that maybe that's taken a little a little knock because people are lying in their beds longer and just generally not maybe listening to as much podcasts. I'd be keen to see how that has affected other podcasts' numbers. Definitely, absolutely, yeah. I'm going to do some research on that, in fact, Mitch. But Kim's getting in touch to say, how good was the Gremlins 2 episode? Oh, Pretty good, cool. I think. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I love a good in-depth episode of a seemingly ridiculous movie. I also have this for reasons. And Kim, speaking to my heart, showing us her novelization of Gremlins. The love first that. one, not Gremlins 2. Panda at Prettiest Duns then got in touch to say that they'd just listened to that one yesterday and it's definitely an all-time favourite episode. That's great. That's very cool to hear. And lastly, big thanks to our pal Paddy Murphy, who now has a YouTube channel where he plays survival horror games. Well, mostly survival horror games. He was kind enough to give us a shout out on the kind of community section of the show this week. Uh, So just want to say thanks to Paddy for doing that. Lovely stuff. Yeah. Yeah, go check that panel out as well. Yeah, yeah. That's Let's Survive Paddy Plays. Um, That's about it for me, I think. Me too, yeah. That's it, suspicious! It's once again time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film. Mm-hmm. By. He will have photoshopped out the tagline and the title and any other identifying text and leave only the image. My job will be to describe the image to the best of my ability and also give it both a title and a synopsis. We'll also put the picture on social media. It'll be everywhere so you guys can play along at home as well, as a few of you did this week when we had 1980s without warning, uh, reappropriated by me as Twinkle Twinkle Little Czar, Close Encounters of the Nerd kind. Uh, So big thank you to everybody that's been getting in touch this week. So I'll have a quick shoot through some of those. Andy McEwen first, then, on Twitter. When Miguel Rodriguez gets out of prison, he's picked up by his brother Jesus, who has a job offer for him smuggling drugs. Although Miguel isn't interested at first, with no other work available, he says yes, and the two friends drive up to the Canadian border. On the way, they get a flat tire and have to find a place to lie low with the drugs. They find an abandoned cabin. They think they're safe for the night, but someone is watching and coming for them, and it's not the cops. In the hit film Evil from the Stars... Oh. Straight on then to Alexis, getting in touch on Twitter. One-Eyed Jack from the planet Terra New One... (laughs) 
<laughs> comes to visit Earth to observe, scan, and probe some humans. However, he succumbs to some saucy shenanigans when he meets Wendy Wacko and probes her and her friends. From the producers of Forrest Hump and Pulp Friction, it's 1992's The Fallis Files. Heads will roll. Jesus. I know, eh? Um, next up, we've got Damon Rickard uh, with just simply commenting that the Mystery Machine gang got dark. And uh, Boz getting in touch <laughs> with the baffling selection, Fucking Aliens Stole My Ready Break. Oh, wow. And uh, to wrap up this week, CP Buckley on Instagram, while on a summer camping trip, the Fodder family encounter what they believe to be an alien. When the creature kills their son, Cannon, the rest of the family flee into the woods. They soon find an old house containing several masks and Halloween costumes. When the owner of the house returns in the alien costume, the family hides. They see the creature remove the mask to reveal itself as Bullock Fodder, Trip Fodder's long-assumed dead father. Trip attacks him, and Cannon reveals that he faked his death so he could continue a murder spree he'd started 20 years previously. Now, Trip and the rest of the family must flee the psychotic old man as he hunts them through the woods in 1983's stalker slasher horror film, If You Go Down to the Woods Tonight 2, Grandpa's Surprise. Oh my. <laughs> uh, that's a lot this week, so best pitch and best character name, please. Best character name this week will be best planet name. Oh, Ted, a new one? Like it? Yep. Yep. And uh, best overall pitch to CP. CP Buckley, once again, congratulations. Uh, so that's Alexis and CP. You are this week's winners. Uh, Rob, the delivery driver, continuing to observe social distancing, but still hard at work. He's on his way with your batches of nothing. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. Use them wisely because you, you, we don't know when this is going to end. So one thing that you definitely want throughout all of this is plenty of nothing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stockpile it carefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then plus that keeps you from going out and overbuying stuff at the supermarket. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, it's very true. So I guess it's my turn yeah. again. Yeah, absolutely. Fire away. Okay, uh, it has arrived. Oh my, okay. Yeah, I just feel I have to apologise straight away for this one, Mitch, because I was a bit short in time, so I've just broken out the smudge tool rather than kind of painstakingly photoshopping stuff. That's all right. It's still illegible, and that's the main thing. Uh, There's no border to this (laughs) image. Both sides seem to be flanked by uh, otherworldly hands and potentially faces. Okay, yeah. <laughs> they kind of like are framing what looks to be the shape of a face. Um, we can certainly can see two eyes that appear to be kind of like superimposed in front of a kind of cloudy sunrise or indeed like some kind of ethereal yellow glow. Um, the eyes are brown and they do kind of look a little bit kind of scaly. But again, this kind of looks like a continuation of the weird hands that are kind of framing this. There's one larger hand coming in from our right of the picture, kind of looking to grasp the neck of a flaming red Yamaha Pacifica-style guitar with uh, flowers wrapped around the neck. <laughs> sure. Okay. So that's it, I think, really. Uh, like um, I, a, a broad circle um, of otherworldly demonic hands reaching and framing a face which has a guitar in front of it um, with uh, flowers wrapped around the neck being grasped by a demonic hand as two brown piercing eyes look on. Yeah, absolutely perfect. Okay, I will need a moment. Yep. So, um, you know how I was talking earlier about the fact that I was bombarding you with um, music this week? Um, I have a whole load of new things that I've been kind of like I've been using to write new instruments and things. So um, you may hear a couple of variations of the Sunshine Kid coming your way soon. Oh, that's incredibly exciting! So what we're talking genres? Yes, I think I might do it in a variety of styles. Oh, that's very that's very exciting. Well, I mean, um, the Sunshine Kid surely for this image would be something pretty heavy. Uh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, we need to be like kind of rocking. Um, but yeah, my plan is, uh, I think we're going we're gonna to have an orchestral version. Uh, we're going to have a synthwave version, uh, possibly something a little bit folky. Ooh. 
So yeah, leave it with me. Watch the space because I'm feeling pretty proactive about doing nonsense right now. So, um, so uh, coming soon, I would say. Uh, okay. In the meantime, though, I do have an answer for this. Right. Okay. Are you comfortable revealing it to us? Yeah, I think we can go. When local rock radio station The Devil's Frequency gives away an electric guitar, introverted aspiring musician Astrid is thrilled when she wins the prize on Hercule McMahon's morning call-in show. Taking delivery of the guitar and beginning to write songs, Astrid quickly gains a cult following as a writer capable of exploring deep, profound introspection as she is at sketching elaborate, multi-dimensional sci-fi odysseys. As her unique blend of straightforward rock music and sprawling sci-fi storytelling makes her a nationwide household name, what our legion of followers don't know is that the guitarist Astrid writes her many hits on has inexplicably had a spell put on it by an amateur conjurer who works for the guitar manufacturer. When she plays, Astrid Jesus. has the ability to visit many dimensions and live many lives, exploring the lives of other humans and other beings in exhaustive detail. As the money and fame piles up, however, Astrid is plagued by increasingly terrifying visions, begging the question, when she comes back, is she truly alone? Find out in 1991's scatterbrained sci-fi mindbender, Space Rock 3, the dastardly astral projection of the masterful artist Astrid. <laughs> I'm all for wordplay, Mitch, but that seemed difficult for you. It was, yes, aha, uh aha, -huh, uh -huh. it was a struggle, I'm not going to lie. But it's there now, uh, it's out there, and we all have to live with it, so how wrong am I? <laughs> um, what year did you say? I said 1991. Oh, okay, you're pretty close, the year was 1988. Oh, okay, okay, I've, I've been further off the mark than that, I'll take it. <laughs> yeah, yes, you have, yeah, like those times where you push a poster that is clearly from the 70s way, way into like 2040. Or like to the present day so I can make an internet reference. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, tell me more. Uh, what is this? What is it about? And who's synopsisizing? Well, the film is Black Roses. Okay. And I'm going to surprise you here, Mitch. The plot synopsis on IMDb was one line. Um, in fact, I've got it here, right? So I did actually okay. go to get a more in-depth synopsis. Uh, so the plot right. synopsis on IMDb was simply demons hypnotize the general public by posing as a rock and roll band. Okay. Which is quite close to what you've kind of said. Yeah, I guess so. But I do think that this synopsis is lacking a little in Razzle Dazzle. So what have you done? <laughs> I've just looked online and found a more in-depth one. Are you ready? Okay. The sleepy little town of Mill Basin is about to get more than it bargained for. The satanic heavy metal rock band Black Roses is coming through to raise hell. Literally. After making a deal with the devil himself, the band's music demonically possesses the kids in the audience, turning them into bloodthirsty demons! <laughs> the blood flows as they start killing their parents and causing chaos at their local high school! I'm not a million miles away from the plot of Jennifer's body. That's very true, actually. I certainly, I, I enjoyed how much you were inflecting there. That was really good. I like that. Yeah, very colourful. Um, that concludes Mitch's pictures for this week. That image is now online, so uh, get pitching, guys. We love hearing from you. In the meantime, it's time to turn our attentions to the streaming platforms this week, and there is a fair amount of stuff going on this week. Needless to say, nothing on Amazon Prime, but um, turn our attentions sure. to Netflix on Thursday. A few things there. We have got The First Purge. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, synopsis there. A drug kingpin has a political awakening as he tries to survive a night of legalized crime in his neighborhood. I hate this film. Uh, this is this <laughs> franchise completely running out of steam for me um, after election year, which I also thought was pish, actually. But um, uh, yeah, that's there if you want to check it out. Also, Leave No Trace. A father and daughter living in content isolation find their lives and bond shaken when authorities move them back into society. And also, Grandmother's mm -hmm. Farm. <laughs> What's this? A guy's getaway to an isolated farm in the desert goes from fun to frightening when a mysterious guest crashes the party. Okay, wow. <laughs> if you're looking at that synopsis and thinking, you know what this needs? 
more. Uh, also coming to Netflix on Thursday, we have got uh, Grandmother's Farm 2. <laughs> Uh, after their haunting experience on a desert farm, sure. he's escaped on a faraway getaway and right into more terror. Oh man. Now TV has no particular genre stuff this week, but I do want to gloss over a wee oversight from last week just because I got the dates wrong. But um, as of now yesterday, uh, Sunday 24th, Come to Daddy is available on uh, Now TV and Sky Cinema and that film is fucking great. Yeah, Aunt Timpson's Come to Daddy. Yes, Elijah Wood stars in Aunt Timpson's darkly funny horror about fathers and sons, which is an extremely simple synopsis for a very, very interesting film. Yeah, yeah, that is that is an incredible oversimplification. I would say. And um, turning our attention finally then to Shudder, some interesting stuff here. First off, you've got Black Sheep on Monday. Henry, who has a fear of sheep, goes home after 15 years to sell his share of the family house, only to realise that his brother Angus has been up to something diabolical. Uh, this, is, this is good, by the way. This is really funny. Yeah, I have seen it. I haven't seen it for years, but I remember quite liking it. Um, also on Monday, we've got The Corridor. At an isolated mountain retreat for a high school reunion, a group of friends stumble across an ominous corridor of light. The corridor's energy consumes them all with madness, and one by one, they turn on each other. Right, okay. And uh, moving forward to Thursday the 28th on Shudder, this sounds very much like something that I would like. Definitely going to try and check this out this week, because it sounds really cool. Uh, confessional. Right. After two mysterious deaths at a college on the same night, seven students, somehow connected, receive invitations to a confessional booth hidden on the campus. Their confessions slowly unveil the truth behind not only the deaths, but the booth itself. This dark, twisty, dialogue-driven and emotionally complex mystery is entirely confined to the video confessional booth. Right, okay. So this is the kind of vaguely gimmicky Hmm. storytelling that I tend to absolutely eat up. This reminds me of, do you remember the Sally Potter film, Rage? Yeah. I I, I don't know why I'm talking about this film so much. I don't even like it that much, but it seems to have come up in conversation quite a bit. But that's kind of played out, I think, with all people talking directly to the camera. So I'm imagining something similar there. So that's Thursday 28th and Shudder Confessional. Looking forward to that one a lot. I would say your pick of the week this week, if it counts, because I know it was technically last week, but I think that we can't not say Come to Daddy because it's so good. Agreed. So that's your lot for the streaming platforms this week. If you're checking out anything from Grandmother's Farm to Come to Daddy, let's know. And uh, turning our attention to this week's show, it is time for the monthly Andy vs. Mitch episode. Yeah. So after you choosing Hello Mary Lou Prom Night 2 for episode 100, it does fall to me to choose Mm -hmm. this time. Now, I'm going to go for something here that uh, I'm going to say right out of the gate isn't necessarily a great film, right? But I think that it'll make for an interesting conversation because I think that it's somebody trying something very ambitious that doesn't really work all the way, but I think that like it's going to be an interesting one to pick apart and I would be really curious to know what our listeners think of it as well. Uh, I am going to ask that this week, we go back to 2014 with Nacho Vigalondo's Open Windows. Oh, right. Okay. You seen this? Yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. Tech horror, Elijah Wood and uh, Sasha Gray. Yes. Yeah. Uh, how are you feeling about that? If anybody else out there has got some thoughts about this or indeed anything else that we've talked about this week, then you can get in touch with us through all the usual channels. Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC and you can email scenes at gmail.com. Also, don't forget if you want to interact a little bit more with some other listeners, we do also now have our Facebook group and you can access that by heading on to facebook.com and searching The Chud Locker. Yep, I again, I hear it's all going well. Yeah, everyone's doing great. Um, it's kind of everyone's doing pretty much exactly what I hope they would do, which is uh, everyone's been really cool with like swapping recommendations and supporting each other's projects and all that kind of thing. It's been a really good time so far. Uh, so yeah, the more the merrier. Jump on that, Andy. Is there any other place on the internet where people can find out more about what we do? The internet's a big place, Mitch, as you know. But if you want to narrow down that cone of madness from everything on the internet to the laser focus of where we can be found, Mm -hmm. strongviolentpod.com. That's our website. 
yeah, so there you've got the T Public page where you can uh, scope out the merchandise that we've got. You can also find a, a whole load of places that you can listen to us. No live shows yet because nobody's allowed to do anything live anymore. No, no, no. But we will be back on Friday doing a live watch along. We will indeed. So that's your uh, dates for the diary this week. Friday is a busy one. We have Andy versus Mitch. We're talking Nacho Vigalondo's open windows. And later that day, we will be gathering around the Zoom mics, hopefully with some of you, to watch a film of your choosing. Head over to all of our social media channels and get your votes in for that. Join us for all of that if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean. 